Takunda, welcome to Africa State of Mind. Thank you very Hello, much for joining me. us on today's episode. Awesome. I really hope that um, you know something funny is not going to happen, and the whole back end or the before, the preview, should I say, of this conversation yeah. doesn't um, spill over. <laughs> doesn't spill over because you know I have I have a reputation to protect. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So awesome. we're basically going to talk about the business of of comedy, yeah. funny business, making money, and you know just the history where that's concerned. Yeah. Uh, just a quick thing. Yeah. Uh, you were behind Pure Manati show as well, right? Yeah, I was the producer on the second season. Yeah. It was two seasons, yeah. and I came in, and I mean, funny enough, that was um, my my introduction to the world of comedy. Yeah. Um, before I, I literally I had graduated from varsity with um, BCom degree, majoring in law. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think halfway through my degree, I realized, like, my dad always wanted to be a lawyer and he yeah. never became one. And halfway through, I was just like, hang this on a minute. This is not going to happen. This is, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm basically living out somebody else's dream. Because, yeah. like, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I was just like, I'm not passionate about it. Yeah. So when I got my degree, I was like, instead of carrying on with the whole LLB thing, I was like, let me actually just go out there in the world and see, you know, find something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And it's while I was in the wilderness, I did like a lot of project management and stuff like that. And then long story is a long story how I ended up in TV. But basically, I... I, I uh, became the producer of the Pio Minardi show without having, which was, which is let's, let, even, let us not even forget yeah. that show is legendary. No, absolutely, it's not cult. even we don't want to say was, we yeah. say is. No, you absolutely. Know? To this day, Kahiso and, yeah. and David Carl still have people saying, "When is PMS mm, coming back? Yes, when yes. is PMS coming back?" Yeah. At some point, it was the bane of Kahiso's existence because yeah. he just felt like he hadn't Everywhere. done anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, no, but it was, and it was a huge privilege to work on that. Yeah. And I think for me. Even more so Because before that I hadn't even as much As produced a wedding video Or yeah. like a And now here you are On like the biggest show You know what I mean And you the know? thing is You know it's crazy though It's like it's While you're in it You know You don't You don't know You know when you look mm. back And you're like Wow we did something Incredibly amazing And we shifted The paradigm in comedy In this country You know But while you're doing it mm. you, you know what I mean You're just doing it yeah. You know You're just sort of like Hey this is Let's do this show And this is what we think We should do And this feels right And the, you know We made decisions Based on just Instinct And you know, just going with it yeah. But then after the fact You look back And you're like Oh wow It's amazing know? I it's think amazing. it's always It's always 2020 I guess that's yeah. the term Where you It's only much later When you're like Oh my gosh Yeah you know? Absolutely yeah. And for me it was just like I was like wow this is a cool gig let me just make sure that I don't lose yeah. it you know because I had no experience yeah. and I mean Kahiso is the exec producer and he took a huge Risk. gamble on me you know? so I have to tell you something funny I was yeah. actually on one of the episodes of Pure Manati show wow. by default but that's pretty no. much everybody's story yeah everyone's story <laughs> like you just got a, it was Kahiso called and then uh, <laughs> David Chibuka called and I yeah. was like they're like just shop at Mike's Kitchen in Parktown North and I said okay yeah and then I had What's a flower on in my here? head And I was on a date But I wasn't on a date And I was just like Bro, yeah. what is happening? I, I remember that I actually <laughs> But if you if You you know, that's what I, You know, if you actually If you pull out all the The footage All the episodes yeah. You know From both season one and two And you actually go through like the people who the sort of were in the sketches, I think everybody from like DJ Fresh to like everybody was everybody it. like had yeah. was featured yeah. in some way or form. But it was the kind of show as well because it was sketch comedy and it was like it was a show that didn't take itself so seriously. We like everyone in the crew, like everyone from our DOP to mm. like the sound guy, continuity lady, everybody was in some sketch. Mm. Uh, I remember being the producer and I, I came on set and they were having problems. They needed. A, 
Hey, and those were, I also was playing rugby in those days, so I was like quite buff. And they were having problem with the, the, the sketch where this construction worker um, is is gay, but he hadn't come out. Yeah. And you know he was on 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 this construction site, all buff and in like you know what I mean, like a vest or whatever. And the guy they had gotten just couldn't get his lines right. Yeah. You know, so I I just came on set on that day just to check on how everything was going on or whatever. Cut to half an hour later Whether Was I not Now not the You're gay the construction worker <laughs> In the sketch And to this day People like Either like remi- Remember me from like Working with Trevor And yeah. Dave And all these guys Or they're like Hey yeah. You're the gay construction worker yeah. On PMS And like, like I was also the producer I was just You know what I mean I just so happened to be there It was one of those yeah. so. But I guess that's how I mean I, I imagine that That's how shows That are internationally known I'm um, like In living color I just yeah, imagine That absolutely. that is how That no, all happened Absolutely And a sketch comedy has a has a sort of rhythm of its own. Mm. It's it's really special because there's, I wouldn't say it's improv because obviously everything's scripted and so mm. forth. But it just gives you so much room to express. So yeah. if you're an actor, or actress, or you're a comedian, like it's almost like you are able to really sort mm. of just express yourself and Definitely. be free, rather than because you know if you're doing drama or whatever, you know there's a storyline and the character has to stay in character. Whereas if you're telling a three minute sketch and it's a three minute story, you can just be whoever you want mm-hmm. in that, you know. Yeah. So so now let, let's start. Let's we should we should have actually started with this. So you said mm. that you wanted to um, that you were studying law and your dad was meant to be a lawyer. Yeah. And then he didn't. Yeah. So I guess because your if he story. If listen to this, he'll just be like, oh, yeah, dude, "Why like, are you putting my stuff? Why in are the you putting streets? me out there?" Because you know? <laughs> we learn it from our parents. I'm telling you. Full so, so where are you from originally? Where's your yeah. family from? So originally from Zimbabwe. Okay, so education um, is a huge thing. That's yeah, where I'm getting no, at. No, full on, full on. So it yeah. was proper, like, and and I was I, I was fortunate enough. I went to a, a very good sort of private school in Zim, and I was mm. I was playing rugby and all of those things, and I was like sort of first black haired boy in my school. Oh and my gosh, just those times. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. But so there was a lot of like, wow, this kid's gonna be something. It's gonna it's, be it's gonna something. Do something. Yeah. You know? And I remember I got a scholarship, a rugby scholarship to to go study and play rugby in New Zealand. Oh wow! Which you know, that's pretty. Like, it's huge. That's right? a huge thing, yeah. But my parents were just like, you know. And when I told them, I thought they were like, "What?" In my mind, I was like, at the very least, guys, you don't have to pay for my university fees. Mm. Like it's dying. but African parents. And know. then they were like, and then play rugby. Explain to us more. And I was just like, yeah, it's great. It's New Zealand. And then mm. they're like. You know what? New Zealand's not going anywhere. Rugby's not going anywhere. You know, university. You know, you spoke about BCom. That's what you're doing. Let's sort that out first, and mm. then we can, you know, talk about. So it. yeah, it was all education, heavy, mm. heavy, heavy, heavy. Mm. You know, and I, I, I was even like I was playing rugby for UCT and doing really well, but they were just like, oh, how's? It's almost like you're playing sports. That's yeah, nice. That's nice. Yeah, but you but know? all Afri- but I think that African parents. That's the thing. It's like yeah, they all like. Fun. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So, what did yeah. you get in the? You know, it's always one of those and these things. Marks, and these marks. Is it because of what's your happening? rugby? Is, is, it because is it because of this? And you had to be really careful. <laughs> now, let's. So, you said the yeah. Pio Manati show was your first um, foray into comedy. Yeah. Into co- into comedy, you know. Yeah. Um, and you've had an extensive career where you've managed some of the biggest names in comedy yeah. um, in South Africa, including yeah. my cousin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. who was the first person that you managed, and how did that come about? So. I think it's it's weird because um, it's Kahiso Kahiso Ledija and Loiso Gola were the first people because basically mm-hmm. cut to 2015 the Pio Manati show had just the second season had just finished and 
we were having issues well the SABC was having issues with us because mm. if you if, if you watch that show it was like like nothing Comedy, else on TV yeah. it was fire it was like there was no sacred cows we were going all in mm. and in 2000 and, sorry 2005 not 2015 and in 2005 it's like 10 years after like you know the elections and democracy and it's a brand new country the country was 10 years old and then you have all these guys on TV guys, basically just- like <laughs> You know what I mean? Putting on masks and doing Nelson Mandela impersonations and dressing up guys and, you know, pretending to be Zelda. You know, like, it was too much too soon, almost. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Although in our in our minds, it was like, this is exactly what we needed, you know? Mm. After just, like, the heaviness of apartheid and, you know, um, everything else, like, we felt like a show that really just sort of, like, gave social commentary or spoke about... The country we're in from a different angle is what we needed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the powers that be at the SABC were like, this is too much. You guys, this is great. As we're like, okay, fine. It was highly rated. We're like, though. okay, yeah. fine. You might not like our content and whatever, but look at these ratings, mm-hmm. though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like going through the roof. And they kept pushing us out. Like, I think initially we were like at eight, then they pushed us out to like nine, and then they pushed us out to it's ten because they're like, still, whoa. Yeah. And still, our ratings were just like, Crazy, you know? Yeah. And there was, they were like, your ratings might be great, people might be enjoying it, but this is too much. Mm. So that's when they canned the, the, the Pure Minority show because sure. so many people still mm. were like, why did you guys get taken mm. off type vibes? So we're all like, what do we do now? Mm. And the, the irony of it is that we were all so young. Mm. And even though we had achieved so much with the show, in terms of other opportunities, everybody was like, oh, but, you know, we can't give you guys other shows because you're so young and you're so inexperienced. But we're like, but how are we going to be experienced if you don't give us opportunity to do more content or produce, you know? So that's when these comedians, and it's also because I've been working on people, I was like, all these comedians were all young and amazing and doing really, really, they were all so talented, but they didn't have a business model to what mm. they were doing. And also back then, there was no like black manager, black agencies or anything like that. But yet all the talent that was coming through were all like young black talent. Mm. So the the only comedy agencies or management companies or people doing that kind of stuff were people who had existed even before 95. So all the guys were like, and I used to just hang out with all the comedians and people were like, are you, no, I'm not a comedian, but I'm a producer. So then Kakiso and, and Loiso actually were like, dude, why don't you... Uh, no, and then I went up to them and said, guys, if I opened a comedy agency, would you would you come on board? Would you join me? Because, I mean, I, I don't have money. I'm like 25 and I'm rolling with you guys. I'm getting drunk on the streets with you guys. I don't... You know what I mean? I don't have money. I don't have experience. But I have a feeling that I, you know, we could do something. So the guys were like, yeah, do it. Because, I mean, we, no one's managing us, so you might as well type vibes, you know? Um... And and I remember Kakisa would be like, at least it'll be, you, at least there'll be a reason why you're at my house, because you know? you're at my house all the time anyway. <laughs> at least know? now we have a. At least there's a reason, you mm. know. Anyway, but I mean, jokes aside, I was like, in my mind, I was like, I think there's something that could be done here because mm. this talent is com- like not mm. wasted, but there's it's not being channeled. So, on a hope and a prayer, really, you know, I set up a podium um, mm. and. Literally, Kakiso and Lois were my first artists. That's quite a big... Um, um, those are quite big names but, but, to have but, as your first artist. But when you look back now... Yes. I mean, when you In look at them now, you're yes. like, wow, look at these guys, they're huge. But mm. back then, yeah. Loi was this kid out of Googs who had never had a gig except for, you know, working at a petrol station as, yeah. a, as a you know petrol attendant. And he was like out there, like, you know, proper hip-hop, baggy jeans. Yeah. And then he'd get on from, stage yeah. and it was just like hectic and... 
rowdy. Yeah, and he used to hang out with the wrong people because oh, I knew because even in hip hop, I was just like Luis. I'm just like some of the people that you're around. They like really thugs. Yes, they no, like really though because <laughs> like, I mean that's where he comes from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And 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 it's it's it's. I mean, this this is the reali- reality, and I think a lot of people also was. People who had tried to manage him, mm, they couldn't. Yeah. He's young, black, angry, hip hop. You know what I mean? Who happens to be stage, a comedian? Why too. are you telling me what I can or cannot say mm. on stage? You know, mm. like it, they struggled with that. Whereas with me, because not to say I went, I came from Guguletu, but I, I could relate with who he was, where he came from. Also, like raised by his mom, you know mm. that kind of vibe and. Literally, if he hadn't left Googs when he did, mm. you know what I mean. The story would probably have ended completely different, mm. right? Mm. So, so look, and and so they took a chance. I took a chance on them. They took a chance on me, you know. Um, and also because we had worked on PMS, I got a I, sort of yeah, personalities and characters. But the one thing that I also said to myself I was like, I'm not gonna, you know, and was sort of the philosophy of my approach over the next ten years that I ran Podium was like. Just because other management companies in South Africa are doing X, Y, and Z doesn't mean that we must follow suit. Mm. I was like, we're young, we're starting from scratch. I've got these young guys who are like, you know, have taken a, a chance on me. Let's do this differently. Let's approach it differently. And I also sort of said, let's look at the established comedy markets in the world. Let's look at the States. Let's look at the UK. Let's look at what... You know what is their track record of like how are artists managed there? How have they built all these brands? You know, and and also back then, you know, Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy and those guys were just like shining lights in comedy. You know, and they're young black guys. So we're like, so in my mind, I was like, let me use that as a reference. Let me look at Def Comedy Jam. Let me look at that and see if we can replicate that or learn uh, or you know take the uh, page out of that book and see if we could do it here Mm. you know so the one thing also at that time was that there was no real management of comedians per se there were like these booking agents so these booking agents had like 30 40 50 60 artists Mm. on their books and it wasn't just comedians it was like musicians jugglers whatever because the whole model was a commission model it was almost like because they got that's how you got paid you know um but if you have a commission model there's only one of two ways you can make money either a it's volume so if you have a hundred people in your books and you're getting like 10 20 percent commission on a hundred people you're gonna make money, you're gonna make money right alternatively you you could only have three four five people in your books but then these guys are making serious money so, that so even enough. if you're making mm. you know what i mean and at that time because comedy was so small not many people believe that you could have real comedy superstars i mean mm. david Kahn, those guys were starting to make huge strides mm. but no one was like massive mm. massive you know yeah. so i was like in my mind you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build brands. I'm not going to manage comedians. I'm going to build brands. I'm going to build their brands around their unique personalities. Because mm. also, David Kibuka is very different to Lois Gola, who's very different to Kajiso Ludija, who's very different to Trevor Noah, who's very different to Eugene Koza, mm. you know? So I was like tapped into who they were and like, we're going to build a brand around you, you know? And we're going to build everything that you do will speak of your truth. Mm. So like Trevor, for example, you know, um, he was, he was always, always that clean cut you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, you know, charming, smooth. So we were like, that's that's your brand. And people are going to see you in suits. People are going to see you. That's where you are. That's your vibe. Mm. You know? Loy, 
like you're brash, you're outspoken, you know, you're going to be the, you're going to be the voice of the young people. That's your brand. That's your vibe, you know? And if people see you wearing Converse, you know, people will be like, yeah, that's right on brand. That's law. But on the back of that Converse might've paid you money to be wearing their shoes. Exactly. Yeah. And I just sort of brought that sort of, cause of my also BCom background, whatever, that sort of business approach, you know? And every year it was like, We'll run this agency for a year, and at the end of the year, and we'll how many? And you store, yeah. you ran it for ten years. Ten years. Ten years. That's crazy. Yeah. So now I I, I want to talk a bit about um just you know the the history of comedy in South Africa mm. and especially that particular era because as you're speaking, I just keep remembering, um, I just keep thinking about how. As the as comedy was was kind of especially let me say black comedians in South Africa were, were really out there and it was led by the younger people and everything. Mm. The same thing was happening with the hip hop movement. Absolutely, they actually moved, you know, parallel. Parallel. It was yeah. literally like a parallel, and the two yeah. played off each other. You know, there was this huge understanding. Sure. So, what are your thoughts about where comedy was then versus yeah. where we are now? Yeah, yeah. So, I. I mean that's a that's I could speak for like two hours on that you know on that question. Um, I think the parallels of you're very right because I kind of feel where hip hop and comedy are, are are so so similar and in many ways related to each other is that they've always been a, uh, a genre of expression of and also an expression you know from the either sort of the marginalized or you know. Persecuted or You know um, If you've got something to say And especially when you've got something to say When you've got a truth to say to power You know, hip-hop and comedy Have always been great avenues to do that So, especially in South Africa I mean, with our checkered past And where we come from There was a lot to say, you know Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like you know, that's why there were so many similarities in how those two genres mm. evolved in South Africa. And I think, especially at the beginning, like, it's not to say before 95 comedy didn't exist. It existed, but to a very, it was, it was very limited, limited. and niche. Because I always mm. say to people, and I've done a, like a lot of interviews with like, you know, international media uh, uh, institutions and stuff. And I always explain it this way is that for comedy to exist and for comedy to thrive, Right there's, there's certain Fundamentals That need to be in place So uh, The freedoms Should I say So like Freedom of expression Needs to be like You know uh, um, Celebrated Or acknowledged Or whatever um, Freedom of movement um, Freedom of um, uh, What you may call it um, Just all sorts of things Fe- That apartheid Wouldn't allow Like and, You know And mm. like Everything that comedy Stands for Apartheid stood against that mm. You know what I mean Like even just freedom of movement Like you know The ability to be able to Oh and then gathering People being able to gather And so forth Like these are all things That mm. comedy needs And during sort of The environment that apartheid Had created There was no freedom of expression There was no freedom of movement There was no freedom of Like sort of people Engaging and so forth So comedy couldn't exist For the broader you know, populist, if you want to put it that way. But the comedy that was happening were the people who were allowed to do it. So it was like this tiny thing happening in some weird corner. But the greatest thing about comedy, and this is not just a South African thing, is that across the continent, comedy has always been part of our... It's part of the DNA. Our, our DNA. Yeah. And yes. I always explain to people this way, that, you know, people always say comedy comes from pain. And not many people are able to understand that, you mm-hmm. know. But... It's almost like that whole thing of if you understand what it's like to 
to to to live in abject poverty or to struggle or to suffer if you understand if you've been on the extreme spectrum of that emotion when you experience something on the opposite end of that spectrum you appreciate it so much more mm. than someone who hasn't suffered mm. or Very has true. experienced injustice or whatever so people i always say to people like in africa we don't laugh like just with our mouths we laugh with our entire bodies yeah. you know and you, we all know like when you're in the hood or in a family gathering and there's just comedy going down people are like jumping up and down or like do you know what i mean we are expressive that way mm. so so the thing is when it, what happened sort of post you know 95 is that comedy came from it was happening in our homes in our streets in the church or in the taxi but now there was also now an an opportunity to actually like you know uh, 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 do it as a as a profession as a thing that you did to make money and pay your bills and look after your family so but that transition took a long time because even as we were talking earlier you know if you told your parents I want to be a comedian they'll be like what they want to tell jokes you want to tell you want to be a clown you want to exactly <laughs> I mean, you, you can tell jokes to your friends, okay. that's fine. Yeah. But can you just do your finance degree yeah. and get that, mm. you know what I mean? So, and that took a while for that mindset, for that thing to to, to mm. change, you know? And I think to a large extent, the successes of things like the Pure Minati show, even like Fat Joe show, um, and then all the other sort of comedy-related sort of content that was, you know, out there, started making people look at comedy differently, you know? And... I've always said I'm, I'm, I was, I've been really privileged to have been involved in comedy at a time like I was because yeah. I literally saw this whole evolution take place, you know, uh, from the guys being the, you know, uh, comedians being the, the, the sort of the court jesters in the entertainment industry, you know, where people are like, oh, those are clowns, man. We're out here making the money. Industry. To now when Trevor yes. is now commanding the most respect globally as an yes. African entertainer, yeah. you know. So, so I, I want I wanted to to talk a little bit about this, you know. Um, so, okay, I think her name is Michelle Wolf. Yes, who yeah, did the the fine. White House um, yes, correspondence dinner? Who was just? I'm she's sorry, fine. I was in I was in stitches. Yeah, that was she, so funny. She's amazing. So, um, you know, when you look at um, people like her, um, and then you know other Nigerian, say Nigerian comedians like Basket Mouth and mm. and so forth, you know, and then you look at what Trevor's doing in general, mm. and then when you're talking about how before, you know, during apartheid, there wasn't the opportunity where you could freely express yourself in a public spectrum like yeah. that, where people could gather and everything. But now, with the way the world is going, yeah. it almost feels as though. Um, politics and what's going on with politics and leaders really shapes what is happening in comedy yeah. as as a whole. It's quite Absolutely. it's quite interesting. So even the way you know um, comedians will go after Robert Mugabe, for example, it yeah. really does feel like that. I mean, even Museveni now, I have, should not even be talking. Um, <laughs> you know, nice so so story, so what yeah. sort of role? Based on those kind of examples and what Michelle Wolf spoke about, and you know her her, her comedy, um, her presentation at the White House Correspondents' Dinner and such, and then Trevor also does a lot of commentary about what's going on in Africa, the comparison between um, the American president and African, you know, dictators, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think comedy's role is in the political sphere? Because it almost yeah. Feels like it's become so important. Absolutely, absolutely. So I kind of feel like, for starters, I'll start with, I'll, with just one line, and then I'll go back to you know. Um, so essentially, think of it this way: it's almost like com comedy and stroke comedians are essentially um, 
the voice of the people in many ways. It's there just literally expressing mm-hmm. what people are thinking and feeling and talking about, you know. So comedians become like a mouthpiece for society, you know, and to make commentary about basically anything that's happening. But if you go way back, right, to the sort of origins of, of you know, comedy uh, um Almost as a stage thing or whatever And I'll use an example So for example, remember like with the kings and queens The time of kings and queens in England and so forth You know, nobody could say anything to the king or to the queen Nobody Except the court jester Exactly Right? Exactly And the court jester And it was a a tricky path as well Because if the court jester took it too far you know, then that's him. Mm. That's that's him or her. That's your life gone. Mm. But to a large extent, if you are funny mm. and you are smart about your funny, you could get away with it. Mm. If the king was laughing at what you're saying, you know, even if it's a, if it's about him, if somebody's laughing, they can't be angry. They can't. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So so in many ways, that's that's the role that comedy has always been able to play is to almost like. You know, pick up a mirror and show it at society. You know, and if the person who's communicating the message, you know, is a great comedian, um, but also smart comedian, and they're able to speak about things without being overly offensive or whatever the case may be, because you're laughing, it opens your mind up, and you, you know what I mean. You can't be angry in a moment of laughter. Mm-hmm. You can only be open-minded. Yes. So. In many ways, with with these leaders and political leaders and politics, where many people can't say, you know, certain Mm. things to a Donald Trump or Robert Mugabe or, you know, um, Sylvain or whatever, um, (laughs) a smart comedian who can Can. make people laugh can do that and get away with it. And that's the beauty of laughter. You know, there's a, so there's, I always say like laughter is the, is the truly the world's universal language because no matter where you are on this earth, you know, you laugh, Mm. you all, you know, you all have that feeling. A baby laughs before they can talk. Do you know what I mean? And so it's a powerful, powerful medium Mm. and it's able to sort of traverse and navigate places where other genres can't, Mm. you know? So in terms of satire, specifically when it's, you know, uh, given that context, obviously then comedy is a great way of speaking truth to power. Mm. Uh, And I've always said to comedians, because people say, yeah, but can you talk about everything? Can you make jokes? You can pretty much do jokes on anything, Mm. As long as you do it smartly mm. And as long as there's a level of intelligence So even if somebody's like laughing They're like, I disagree with you But I see where you're coming from That's where you mm. want to be It, it you opens know? you up to almost be um, You know, to see everything from both sides of the aisle so Absolutely, absolutely So yeah, so satire And I think, you know, these these are crazy times we're living in mm-hmm. And not just because of what's happening there in America And the White House even with that the guy continent, But yes. on the continent yes. and everywhere else And, and because of that Comedy has really sort of come to the fore in many ways mm. because that's become the strongest, one of the strongest mm. ways that society can speak, through, you know, through these comedians. comedians and, you know. So now talking about the continent, um, there are a few comedians um, that I just think are hilarious. So the Kansima, and not because she's Ugandan, but she is funny she's and she's amazing. doing, she's amazing. She's, she's doing amazing. really well. Yeah. Um, we've got Churchill in Kenya, yes. who is also, yeah. I mean, he's just he's funny when you're around him. Yeah. yeah. He's just, yeah. he's a walking clown. Yeah. I mean, that would the most respect um, You know And then there's Basketmouth as well Who's selling out You know Around from The, the UK Nigeria yeah. Everything And then AY Has got yeah. his movies And, and yeah. everything That he's doing You know yeah. And then there's Eddie Cardi 
Congo. Yeah. Who's also, you know, so uh, I really like him. Yeah, yeah he's, he's amazing. <laughs> so now, so now, Fine. what what are your views on where um, African comedy is? And yeah. I and I ask this question because we're seeing with regards to, and obviously Trevor's doing really well and, and such. So we're seeing. Um, with popular culture globally, Africa has kind of taken center stage. So Absolutely. from the musicians to yeah. representation in movies and everything, where do you see African comedy in comparison to the rest of the world? Or, or what's our stake in yeah, the world? Or sure. what could it be? Well, I think to a large extent, I mean, for me and my thing I live for now in terms of comedy is like everything that I'm, I'm, I do now or I'm doing and I plan to do is... I will not rest until African comedy, you know, gets its rightful place at the international comedy table. Mm. And we're not there, not because of a lack of talent or lack of, you know what I mean? It's just, we haven't been, we haven't been in the mix. We just haven't been, you know, it's that kind of like, there's a great party happening and you just didn't get the invite, Mm. you know? It's not to say you're Mm. not out there being amazing and, you know, deserve to be. We just haven't been in the mix. Mm. And I kind of feel like I'm so thrilled about what Trevor has done, not just for him, but just almost as a an example of what African comedy is capable of. Exactly. And he's not the only example. Mm. He's just an example. example yes. And an example of what's to come. I really believe that. So in terms of African comedy, I've for the over the past sort of five years, the one thing that I started doing was traveling with comedy. And I was tra- traveling all over the continent. And it's crazy because not many people, and maybe it's because I'm originally from Zimbabwe, so I have a different outlook, you know, on, on Africa. Um, and so I started doing a lot of travel in, in the continent, especially at a time when it wasn't fashionable. Because now you know it's I mean? in fashion. When it wasn't yes. Africanacity. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was Uh-oh. out there. And, and I, 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 like, for example, the first time I watched Basketball performing uh, he's, live he's funny. was in Lagos. Was it an Echo Hotel? Myself, yeah, I flew yes. myself because I was like, I want to see. Because you watch it on YouTube and, you know, and these like two things involved jokes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm, I, Basically, yeah. yo, dude, can I come watch you? Yeah. And he was like, you, you just want to come watch? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Can I? Is that cool? funny too. You give yes. me a ticket. I'll come through. Yes. And literally paid my way to go see. Because I was mm. like, I want to see it for mm. myself. And I did the same when, like, in Uganda where there's an amazing scene with, like, Patrick Salvador yes, and all those guys. Salvador, he how could I forget? Amazing. He's amazing. Yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, and Anne Kansima and all these people. And I started just traveling on my own world, yeah. you know. And every now and again, my guys would get booked to do gigs, like... Kahiso went and did MTV stuff in Nigeria yes. or Lloyd getting booked to go perform in Zambia, all that kind of stuff. And what I realized very quickly, it was just like, it may be very raw and it may not it's- be very polished, but the level of comedy across this continent is phenomenal. Mm. And I said it also in context of I started traveling to all the biggest comedy festivals all over the world, like going to New York, which is like a mecca for comedy, London, going to Sydney, Australia, going to all these places. And you know, people say, you got to see this comedian. He's amazing. And I'll watch him and I'll be like, I, I see it. I, I He's see. funny, but I can tell you at least 10 comedians from Not South familiar. Africa who would like destroy this guy, mm. but you just don't know about them. So what do you, you think know? needs to happen for, 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 what do you think needs to change in order for this to happen? Well, I think the change already is already happening. Okay. So I think to a large extent, what has been a, a massive, massive sort of thing that's going to change the paradigm is uh, just the, the internet. Mm. You know, the Definitely. world has never been more connected than it is now. Mm. And what's starting to happen is that people are starting to, you know, be, and comedy is always been about 
American comedy culture and history, British comedy culture and history, and to a certain extent, Austra- like Australians and New Zealand. But outside of that, no one even knew comedy existed beyond those markets. Mm. What's starting to happen now is because people have got the internet and you can load up your content or whatever, mm. people are starting to be exposed to comedy from all over the world. And also, to a large extent, with respect, like, We've watched, so, we've consumed so much American comedy, so much British comedy, mm. that it's so refreshing to see good comedy from somewhere, somewhere else. else yeah. So, for example, Trevor, one of the main reasons he's exploded is because they'd never seen a comedian like him, a perspective like his, and, you know, just basically, um, they'd never heard and, comedy told like that. And he actually, what I, what I like about what Trevor does um, on The Daily Show, and even before when he was traveling, is that he really tells, uh, how do I say, he really... To use a hip hop term Which I'm trying to not He really keeps it real Yeah yeah With regards to Telling comedy That is He kind of brings the world Into what is happening In Africa And I think that That's quite unique The yeah. way Because he's opening it up When he draws comparisons With the two different worlds And the two mm. You know What's happening It yeah. really What he does Is that he opens it up For everybody else Absolutely. Which I think is quite Quite good Now Now in Nigeria I think in, for me When I'm in Nigeria And U- Uganda I'm not just saying Because I'm Ugandan But I feel like Every conversation Feels as though It is just a Comedic experience Absolutely. I I can think of A thousand times I talk to my dad And I'm just I'm just like Daddy how did we get here Like yeah. why are we talking You know so And it's so You know yeah. That whole thing yeah. So So you know So everything Feels like that But what I do Also realize And recognize a lot So in Nigeria There are very specific Things that are Very specifically Nigerian So if you're in Nigeria You'll call somebody A goat And that doesn't mean Greatest of all time That is the insult Of life It's like Goat goat, You know It's like done And then (laughs) In Uganda (laughs) You know When when Anne is talking And everything Her (laughs) jokes are also Very localized To um, Uganda And you know Nigeria A lot of the Nigerian jokes Are very localized To Nigeria but they're still exploding around the world. Yeah. What are your views on on the stories that you tell about where it is that you're from, and also the language factor when it comes to comedy? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I'll start with that when you're like, you know, sometimes when you're in these places like you know Nigeria and Ghana uh, or Uganda, it feels like it's just everything. A, it's I a just, comedy I'm fest. Just... But you know what it is as well, which also is very a uh, uniquely I feel in many ways thing that connects us all as Africans is that comedy is it's actually a survival mechanism. To a large extent So when we were talking earlier about It's part of our It's in our DNA Part of that is like If you don't laugh About like Our you're gonna, conditional you're gonna situation be miserable You're going to be miserable And you'll probably die You're going to be miserable right yes. So when we hold on to, to, to comedy We hold on to that Because sometimes It's the only thing That gets us through mm. Sometimes You know what I mean Because it's, it's the, the, There's a lot of like Stuff to depress mm. you Or make you miserable mm. On the continent You like Like Lagos Like I was saying to Basketball I was like Bruh This place looks like a dump sometimes Like you walk Do you know <laughs> what I like mean? where you at Are you on the island The mainland where But what makes the place People always say The, ne- the energy the in energy, Lagos The yeah. ne- energy in Nigeria Is crazy You Second know what, where none. it comes from It comes from the people mm. So they have to rise Beyond their circumstance Or condition Or whatever the case may be So we hold on to that So And, and that's why I, I really believe this In the future Like You know Especially if this whole thing Of comedy comes from pain Guys This continent we have we know pain. and continue to experience. It's, you know, so, if comedy comes from pain, we are a like a massive factory for comedy. Yeah, you know, it just we just need to package it and take it to the rest of the world. So, to, which takes me to the point you're asking now is that then how is it transferable? You know, how do we? So, the thing is, obviously, to a large extent, you know, you're gonna do comedy 
your initial comedy you're going to do is going to be your immediate environment what's happening around you right uh, but I think what's starting to happen with a lot of African comedians they're starting to realize is that their story maybe not necessarily the very specific gags you know but their story and where they come from is worthy to you know it's a story that's worthy to be told you know and we, we used like Trevor when Trevor first went to the States and where I give kudos People don't realize This about Trevor He didn't just land there At, Yes He didn't just end up on Did like, he almost lose everything He, he lost everything He literally yeah. said I am gonna I've made yeah. this X amount of money I've been putting it aside I'm yeah. gonna go to the States I'm gonna give myself A year to make it yes. If I don't make it in a year I'll come back Make more money And then go back yeah. Until I make, make it, it. And he spent those flight tickets mm. and accommodation and being on the subway every day and all that kind of stuff. That was him investing in himself. He mm. spent, you know what I mean? Like scrambling. And, um, and what he found at the beginning, because in his mind, he was like, I've grown up in American comedy. I can assimilate and become one of them. And in many ways, he almost tried to become African American. You know what I mean? In terms of what he was trying to do. Cause he was like, clearly that's what I need to do to fit in. And he, it wasn't working out so well, mm. but I think the big realization he got sort of a couple of months in because everybody would be like, he would come off stage and whether he did well or not or whatever, people were like, cool, cool. But so are you from Africa, Africa, like mm. proper Africa? Tell us about that. You know, what do you guys roll with like animals in the streets or, or is it just a fabrication or, you know what I mean? So he realized very quickly that him being his difference was the, actually the unique mm. thing about him. It made him different to every other comedian that was out there. And he, and it's not to say he embraced being African because it was the commercial, what he realized that actually, this is what people want to hear. People wanna hear. Yes. And they want to hear my perspective on politics as an African, not as an African American or an American from the because outside in. From the outside in. Yes. And that made him, and also because he's a, is an amazing comedian and he's an amazing performer and, you know, he can write gags. That guy can churn out material mm-hmm. like, like nothing I've ever yeah. seen. But that uniqueness, that difference of opinion and that difference of like background or whatever mm-hmm. made him stand apart. And he embraced it. And he was like, okay, do you know what I mean? I just have to be me. And so his gags were either like this, I'm from Africa and this is, how we are different to you or i'm from africa and this here you're what you're doing here this is how crazy it is for me you know so he'll do jokes like you know there's the Dwayne reed pharmacies there's like massive franchise chain or whatever and in some places the thing has got like it's a three-floor pharmacy and he's like guys you guys diss us because we got aids and we got ebola and we got all this stuff you know what i mean but we don't have three-story pharmacies like what's going on with you guys you know what i mean like so it was and that and they laughed and they'd never thought of that because in their world Dwayne reed has got three stories you know he's like no guys this is there's something wrong with you guys if you got this so it was like there's such a unique perspective you know but so well packaged and so well delivered you know um so in many ways i think what's going to start happening the more because we're so connected and we are part of a global community what's going to start happening is that comedians obviously they're going to perform in in terms of what's in front of them locally but they're going to start finding ways to bridge the gap Mm -hmm. and with more comedians that go out there and start making it you know themselves it will just guys will start realizing that we can do this so for example Luis Ogola is on his way like uh, I was with him in Canada, like at the biggest comedy festival in Canada, and everyone was talking about this mm. kid, you know? They were just like, wow. And, I mean, we all know it's taken 15 years for him yeah, to get Luis, there. Yeah. But when they're there, they're just like, 
so there's more. Mm. Here's another South African comedian who's world class, you know. Um, so that is the wave, it's already started. And by the time people go into Anne Consima's YouTube page, and even if you're struggling to understand her accent or you're like, this comedy is so crazy, but now there's like, she won some you she a won million a YouTube views, award. Two million yeah, views. she won YouTube you awards. I remember. Yeah, you, you can't, can't deny yeah. the power of her. And comedy, that million views know? is not coming from Uganda or East Africa. It's literally it's globally. Because by the time YouTube yeah. is like, look, we need to give you credit. Let me put you it know this that way. you Wherever are touching Anne the world. Travels yeah. in Africa, mm. sells out. Yeah. Straight. She's crazy, yeah. But she's built that herself. Mm. And she's built it from a truth, you mm-hmm. know, just about being African. And everybody, you know, who watches across the continent connects. And relate mm. with her Not because they're Ugandan yeah. But because of the African You know The, the narrative That you know Don't say African nasty again um, <laughs> Please <laughs> that, That's not Those aren't the ones Who pay us We're actually going to have to Believe that Because I'm with the Africa Connected crew Yeah Okay Yeah um, So just um, in Before we let you go Just real quick This is a serious question And I'm trying to find a way Of phrasing it You can answer it You can not answer it If you don't want to So there are obviously Certain African countries That where Currently, people don't have the freedom of speech or the freedom of comedy, shall I say. Yeah. You know, um, there's one country in East Africa, I won't say the name of the country, mm. um, you know, where as much as it is a democracy, so to speak, people know that as a comedian and as a person, you can't speak out against the current administration. Yeah. You know, and we see this happening in different parts, so North Africa mm. and, and so forth. Mm. What are your thoughts around um, politics and how it perhaps hinders um, you know, or how would you make the case for these mm. benevolent dictators? Sure. <laughs> how would you make the case for these benevolent dictators or to these benevolent dictators about why they should be allowing there to be a comedy space even yeah. within these worlds that they've, yeah. they've created? Well, for starters, I think let me start even, you know, before going to the sort of comedy elements of it all. But comedy is art. Mm. And what is art? Art is expression. Mm-hmm. You cannot stop it. Mm. You know, art has existed ever since, mm. you know, and art has survived all of the dictators of this world. You all know? of them. All of them. You can name them. We've even become our friends. We you, even love them. They are memes now. Like, like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so comedy is art and art is expression. You cannot stop expression for as long as people have, you know, an ability to think for themselves and, you know, speak or whatever it is. You cannot. Mm. Um, so for me, that's how I've always seen it. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's bigger than just the jokes, right? Then second thing is that, um, I kind of feel because of the unique African, you know, situation, comedy is even more important on this continent than probably anywhere else, in my opinion. Mm. Um, because of all the things we've already spoken about, you know, it gives uh, uh, people a voice and, you know, their opinions and their feelings to be expressed. I actually, so I've got a brand called Stand Up Africa, which I started in 2011, you know, um, and it was because I could see there was comedy happening all over the continent. But at that time, Comedy was happening in West Africa. Comedy was happening in pockets, East Africa and Central Africa and Southern Africa, but it was never connected. And yet, it was there were so many similarities. So I basically did this show where I basically booked all the top comedians on the continent on one lineup. And we were all amazed by the result. We all realized how much we are connected as Africans through our struggles, through the journeys we've traveled and all that kind of stuff. And I actually want to... One of these days, I actually want to do a documentary on comedy in Africa called Stand Up Africa and just about how comedy in the face mm. of 
you know, dictatorships and oppression and all that, comedians have continued mm. to like it's that whole um the the the, the rose that grew from concrete yes. type vibes, you yes. know what I mean? Uh comedians are still out there, yes. you know, and speaking truth to power mm. and taking risks and gambles and because it's something that's in them They can't stop being themselves So for example There's a guy called Carl Joshua Nube From Zimbabwe For example And he Pretty much like Zimbabwe's real first Professional comedian Right And he has stories about It became All his shows The secret police Used to book The first The, the middle four row, uh, Seats In the show Always and he started booking those seats, like blocking them for those guys. And if those those seats were occupied, he knew the secret police was in there. If those seats were not occupied, then there weren't any sure. secret. And he used to tone his his show accordingly. Depending. And the first right. 10, 15, 15 minutes of his set would be about those four guys. And he would be like, okay, guys, let's assess what I can or cannot say. And he would literally, so guys, can I talk about religion today? No? Okay, how much can I talk about? Like, and it became part of the thing. But he learned how to manage it. Basketmouth has grown his career yeah. while there's military junters that run Nigeria. And the military are hardcore. But he was doing comedy through that. And those military rulers have come and gone. And he's still there. And come again. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> in many ways, like, I don't think it's unstoppable. They won't, you know, but uh, the, what we can do as in terms of everyone, you know, whether we're in the media or we're in the back end of production or management or whatever, is to continue to, like, support these comedians and put them on and, you know, and they'll, they'll lead the way. They'll lead the way. Thank you yeah. so much for spending time with us on Africa State of Mind. We actually have to wrap it up because the next group of people is walking in the studio. Oh. They're like knocking on the door, like knock, knock, knock. But it's been really awesome. Congratulations on everything that you have done. Um, talking to you is enlightening. Awesome. Thank it's you. quite funny. I mean, I don't know why I'm not a comedian yet, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's that's fun. a story for another day. That's a story for another yeah. day. We all remember how horrible I was on Pierre Minati show, but <laughs> thank no, you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Lee. Cool. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Africa state of mind. I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy putting it together for you. And once again, a big shout out to all of the amazing people um, from around the amazing continent of Africa, uh, you know, who are really doing their part with regards to changing the narrative. Don't forget that you can interact with us. I'm um, on our Twitter handle at Africa state mind. You can also join the Africa state of mind group on Facebook. And please remember to rate us um, on iTunes. Let us know how it is that you think that we're doing. And if you have any ideas for any guests or people from your particular country uh, within the continent of Africa that are really changing the narrative, please be sure to share it with us. That's all we have for time for today. My name is Lika Sumba, Africa State of Mind. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now.